Hi, I'm Steve Barlow. This is the Humanized Workforce Future You podcast, where we talk about perceptions of the future, issues we need to be aware of, and their role in a rapidly changing work and life environment. Hi, I'm Craig Saffin. Day by day, we are all learning to live with the impact technology, AI, and changing health and social conditions have on our lives. The Humanized Workforce Future You podcast series thinks the future is bright and something to look forward to. Welcome to the Humanized Workforce Future You podcast. My name is Steve Barlow. As always, I'm joined by Craig Saffin. How are you today, Craig? Great, Steve. Hi. How are you? I'm very well. And we've also got today Sarah Hughes joining us from Townsville, way up north. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Craig. Welcome. Thanks. Nice to be here. So, Sarah, can you uh, start a little bit by telling us you've got a very, very interesting background and a very interesting area and where you work. So I'm dying to hear more about it. Yeah, I'd love to. So I've been in the nursing industry for about 22 years. And over the time, I've traversed into various startup roles in helping roll out general practice education programs as well. And now I work as a chief nursing information officer for a health tech company. We are a SaaS platform. We're in about 80 hospitals in Australia at the moment. And we're basically clinical communications and all about simplifying the workflow. So trying to give a little bit back to the staff on the floor. So part of that is also very much being an ambassador and leader in that space for digital technologies and change, uh, empowering our younger millennials to be innovative and think differently in the nursing workforce. What can we do better? What can we change? What do you need? What are your pain points? Come and tell us. Right. Let us fix it for you. Wow, that, uh, is, that is fantastic. Um, so, so what are, what are some of the, um, the the disruptions that are coming in the technology that that are where you're working? I, I imagine that technology is uh, changing the way nursing's done in hospitals and and in care centres. So, uh, what are some of those disruptions that you can tell us about? A lot of the disruptions we find at the moment is. <laughs> Funding for the tools, because we need the tools to have the technology on. Education in that space. There's a lot of push at the moment in driving undergraduate curriculum on digital tools. It's just a very new space that's happening at the moment. Typically, a lot of the digital education is postgraduate level or informatics, uh, if you want to specialise. But we're really trying to get people to consider what would that look like for someone leaving school stepping into university and understanding how technology works in nursing, not just my health record and the electronic medical records. How about actually the software that works that we're using every single day? Mm. So I think it's really important to highlight that because 22 years ago, <laughs> plus a few more when I came out, mm. there were no things as computers on wheels. They were non-existent. And now they're everywhere in a hospital. So Let's start bringing them into the education. So when we put the nurses on the floor, aside from their clinical experience, they get on placement, but they already know it when they land so they can champion it, lead it on the floor. Mm. Um, adoption is the biggest issue. Mm. It's a big expense, plus it's the time factor that big hospitals put into making sure that they have champions on the floor to train the staff with new technologies that are being implemented in the hospital. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the challenge is the staff are busy yes. and 
which we appreciate they're super busy and now we're wanting them to learn something new mm. and it's a real cognitive overload but a very fine line with but this can really help you please learn it can we have half an hour of your time to teach you and then often we find we you can go in and teach them as we come in and we teach after we've rolled out a project but then someone on the board has to carry that on it has to be embedded in their policies has to be embedded in um, onboarding of new staff. There's this continual education. So we're asking a lot from our staff. It just tra- always the story is just training and not using is um, just a waste almost, isn't it? Why do you think that yeah. the technology piece has been mainly included in postgrad rather than undergrad programs? Is it is it a lag or it just hasn't caught up or what's the problem? Oh, look, I don't think it's a lag. I think that... The change here is that each state now has a digital roadmap and a commitment from the federal government that over the next 10 years, and they're all at different timelines, Mm. that they will review what they have currently. If you're a paper-based hospital and everything is manual, what can you do to change it? Can you now bring in electronic medical records? Can you change your paging system to a mobile phone? Can you bring in software to save time that is basically allowing the nurse instead of picking up a phone and saying, I've got a patient for x-ray, and then having to pick up the phone and find an orderly to come and pick up the patient and then go down to x-ray, can we automate the process? Mm. Can we make it simpler for you? And it's a a big change. There's a lot of focus on change management in that space because we're asking people to think differently. Yeah, there's a... I think the technology for these records and uh, and helping patients uh, with their details has been around for a long time. Large companies, global mm-hmm. companies like 3M and yes. so on have had solutions for many years, haven't they? they so, have. so the implementation comes down to a, a will and a strategy and a budget, I suppose, does it? Definitely does. Mm. It definitely does. And then you have your workforce shortages on top of it. Mm. So it's a very fine line between a movable budget. Can I take the money from here to put it over here? Mm. Yes, this year. No, next year. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think the uh, the bane of everyone's life is when they have to fill out that dreaded form every time they go and see a specialist, isn't it? The same data over and over and over. It so, is. So, um, so what do, what do you think the skills are then for um, nurses? So the nurse of the future, uh, which you, which is approaching quicker than we want. Uh, things have accelerated over the last few years, and probably they is have, worse. haven't they? So well, what, what, what are you what Sorry? Um, I was going to say, we have a lot to owe COVID for in a good way. I agree with that. And that's been a positive thing that's come out of our podcast. So that's a very good uh, comment you make. What are mm-hmm. what are the, the differences now? So you've been in the, in the nursing uh, profession off and on in different guises for more than mm-hmm. 20 years, 22 mm-hmm. years, you said. And so what are the differences now compared with what uh, was uh, back when you were? Um, back, when, back when I was doing it. Mm you would have an hour of time dedicated to sitting down writing patient notes. Right. And it was always packed <laughs> into the end of the shift. It's like, right, I've got handover staff coming on at three. That means if I work backwards at two, I need to be over here doing my notes. Yes. Now what they're doing is taking a computer into a patient's room, mm. typing as we go. Everything is real time. The data flow through the hospital is just amazing being able to grab it and see it on the spot when you need it right there in front of you. Mm. That didn't exist. Mm. And it does take a long time for hospitals to come on board with this, gather the funding, do the education. So I think it's really fundamental that in the undergraduate programs that this now starts getting embedded. It is slowly starting to come along, but the focus is more my health record, telehealth, 
other. Right. So I would love to see one subject on innovation. Mm. I would really like to challenge the status quo on the new nurses coming out to how about you did one subject that taught you to think differently and that it's actually okay to ask how about this and what about this and can we change this instead of just an acceptance of this is what we do. Yes. And a lot of this uh, change has been brought on us by uh, just forced upon us, hasn't it? It was things that people talked about or dabbled with and then it was all of a sudden it became the norm almost overnight, didn't it? And, it did. uh, yeah, We interviewed uh, someone who was doing uh, telehealth and, and remote health care uh, mm-hmm. down in Tasmania and uh, they, were, uh, they were taking care of people long distances like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So. It happened overnight. So can you tell us um, then, uh, so that's the different skills that, uh, what about mistakes and the accuracy? I I imagine if you're not handwriting stuff down, but you're putting data into a machine that the things not only speed up, but they become more accurate. Is that true? Oh, yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) Nursing, we can always nurse with pen and a paper because our skills are personable. You know, we don't need a blood pressure machine if we didn't need to to take a blood pressure. We can do it manually. Sure. I appreciate, I respect that. Having the tools has to enable us to do something better. So am I allowed to be in a room and write notes that I'm with my patient right now, but I need a doctor right now and I need to get the message instantaneously to him via a computer? Mm. Brilliant. Mm. Can I get on a computer and video call him because I need him to see something in his... 500 kilometres away, yes, I can do that now. I don't have to wait weeks for a specialist to come to the hospital. Mm. That aspect of it is good. Mm. Um, errors, you will find a lot of, <laughs> there's probably a lot more risk band reports because actually the data reflects if there's an error and we're allowed to pick it up quicker, right. particularly for auditing requirements and quality improvement on the floor. Those are the good, they're the good benefits that have come out of it. Uh, a lot of the stuff that they do now, um, you have, medication systems and a thumbprint you literally put your thumbprint that's to you as the staff you use that and a code to log in and all the medications that you need for the patient are there like that's amazing a medication round on a hospital ward can take you an hour yes and now with with being able to automate a process with a pharmacist and a doctor and a nurse and the stock that you need it's right there at your fingertips it's amazing what do you what do you think? Uh, one of the things that uh, came out uh, in in the recent time, uh, a constant theme was the overwork and the, mm-hmm. the stress associated mm-hmm. with the profession. What mm-hmm. sort of things uh, around the technology and the things that you're working on with the education process can help to alleviate the um, the, the stress in the profession? I think the stress comes from the effect that COVID it has on the family and communities and staff. Plus, we had vaccine mandates brought in. So technology can't help that. That's just a personalised stress for I've lost 25% of my workforce. How am I going to do this? I have to close a ward. I have to close beds. That element of stress will, will be there. Yes, it's lessening because we're starting to understand what nursing with COVID looks like. We seem to have that balance now that's come out where we know we need X amount of beds additional for the COVID patients but we're still struggling with staff and finding staff. But where technology could potentially help is just trying to sort of um, create this seamless sort of invisible flow of work behind the scenes. So it might be as simple as 
making a dashboard more visible for a nurse unit manager who can see patients in, patients out, acuity level, staff availability, bed flow from the emergency. You know, that whole process, it's very complex. So anything that could be implemented in that space to just bring the information that they need in real time on demand right in front of them is helpful because it's saving them time. It's saving them a little bit of stress. It might only be 30 minutes in the day, but that's amazing. I'd love to have 30 minutes back. <laughs> I can spend it with a patient or educating, educating a, a staff member or helping a student with something. Like that is crucial. That sort of stuff is really powerful. Now, 30 minutes at the end of a long shift can be a lifetime, can't it? So, <laughs> so I understand what you're saying. What, what about um, skills that are, as nurses, uh, you've mm-hmm. described the skills they need for technology and to get uh, this training earlier in their, um, in their career. What are mm-hmm. the things that they don't need to do now uh, that can be handled comfortably by technology? They don't need to sit down for hours and write paper notes. Yep. If the hospital has an electronic medical record system in place, okay. that in itself is time-consuming. We we're literally not walking around with clipboards at the bedside. And some hospitals are. This is the change that's happening in the workforce and hospitals now. Mm-hmm. You have the difference between private and public. Who has more funding? Who doesn't? Who's raising enough money to do it? Yeah, is a government We're not going to go there today. We're not going there today. On... <laughs> no, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> all right um all right can you tell me a little bit about the leadership uh before we, before we started this uh recording you were talking a little bit about the uh, leadership and the mm-hmm. and the difference in the functions and uh maybe communication gaps can you can you talk to us a bit a bit about that and what what the situation is but what you would propose oh it's really interesting you talk about this because i was working on using personas yesterday with how our UX UI guy. And I said, it's really hard to define the nursing personality. (laughs) But here's what I think a nun looks like and here's what I think a nurse looks like. Mm. Um, Good question. I think leadership now with all the digital change that's happening in the workforce has to be transparent, Mm. 100% transparent. Mm. We have to embody this culture of psychological safety. We have to enable a mindset that challenges in a respectful way we have to be involving our teams in processes and change that are happening on the floor. It doesn't have to be this, and I often say this, top-down, bottom-up. It doesn't have to be top-down all the time. Let's work together collectively. Let's sort of shift that focus of senior management is here, junior management is here, because the senior leaders in the groups and the teams know so much more than we do. So let's start imparting the knowledge. Um, And some of the hospitals have started doing that. They've started bringing in these um, leadership group training, fellowship style things where certain members of the hospital can come together and the senior leaders come and sit with them and they mentor them and they sponsor them so that they can understand the roles a little bit further. We just need a little bit more of that. We need to make it visible. It's unusual, is it? Yeah, Mm. yeah that must be a really uh, like a drag it's almost like taking out a huge um amount of ip isn't it so out of the system definitely yeah being able to share that is so empowering to the staff because fundamentally i believe that that any organization is driven by culture and if the culture is right 
people jump out of bed and they're happy to go to work and they're excited to be there and oh, working with such and such today, we're going to have a great day and maybe we're going to change the world one little tiny idea at a time type of attitude. Mm. And you're happy to go to work. Mm. Productivity increases, sickness decreases, and there's this general want, this desire to want to be there, to want to help, to want to commit to an organisation. But this um, uh, issue of psychological safety that you mentioned has been a constant theme through the um, sessions that Steve and I have been doing. And I, um, I think that, uh, you know, it's not, it's not actually a done deal or not actually been achieved in the nursing profession and in many workplaces, to be honest, not, not to single out the medical profession. But, mm-hmm. but uh, there has been a lot in the press about this sort of thing. And I, do, I just wondered, do, do, you, do you think that there is a way to get an increased amount of psychological safety in this profession? I think it's a matter of mindset change mm. to accepting that it needs to happen and then and being confident enough to take a leap of faith and lean forward and try and change it. If you are the manager or the leader on the floor, how you lead is crucial. Management and leadership, I find, are two very different things. You can be a manager and not a leader and vice versa. Sure. A good leader helps the people on the floor. In my, mm. I have had some brilliant leaders, mm. amazing, male and female, different ages mm. in, you know, over my years. And it's interesting because what I took out of a good leader is they have a genuine want to know how you are and how you're feeling and what's going on the floor and can we help they want to get to know you a little bit better. You're just not a number. Mm. You're part of a team. Mm. And that engagement from a team is absolutely crucial, absolutely mm. crucial to feel like, oh, actually, I can come and talk to you about X, Y, and Z, or actually I disagree with you on whatever it is, but be comfortable enough to have that conversation and not feel like you're going to get in trouble for saying the wrong thing. So what you, when I'm imagining that you experience some of those environments uh, in, in the work that you're doing and some of the other that you don't, where, where there isn't the EQ or the, uh, the psychologically safe environment, um, what, what, what are the differences in those organisations or those structures? What are they uh, doing that's uh, essentially um, different to each other? I think it's leadership style. I yeah. honestly think it's personality and leadership mm. style. You either are that or you're not that. Right. <laughs> you're either challenging yourself to change, yes. to embody psychological safety. And you know what? In fact, I don't know how much it's talked about in the nursing profession. Mm. Our leaders should create an environment that is psychological safe. There's a lot of research in that place as it's really impossible. It's really important that we have trust and yes. safety and um, peer building and bonding and mentorship instead of the whole eat our young, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that used to be. <laughs> it's true. The research says it. Yeah. So now yeah. more than ever, especially in light of COVID, we must lead like that. We must be open to being challenged. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It's just let's hear the conversation. Let's start the mindset. Let's make our staff feel safe on the floor. Yeah, so, uh, okay, very interesting. A, a lot of challenges and uh, something that's so critical for our, our society and our community. The One last question I want to ask you is that it's related to really what I see as uh, a huge demand for nurses in the, in the community uh, mm-hmm. from an aged care perspective to hospitals, both private and public. 
and, a, and an increase in this part of the the um, the demand. What 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 is the advice you would give for young people who want to enter the profession? Because there's a lot of advice out there suggesting that it may be quite difficult. But what what advice would you give to young people who want to go into nursing as a profession? Nursing can give you so many skills. Hmm. I wouldn't be afraid if you want to care for others and you have a genuine desire to help. Don't be afraid to enter nursing. Nursing, it is what it is. We will we will always adapt and change. That's what the profession does. We get a pandemic, we adapt. We learn from it, we change. We educate, we just carry on. That's what it is. And there are so many opportunities in nursing. There's no way I would have had the opportunities to do what I'm doing now if it hadn't been for the diversity that you can do and your transferable skills that you learn from nursing. I'm working in IT. I started in nursing. I helped start up a GP. I helped roll out um, an education program. Mm. All skills that have been foundational to nursing. So don't ever be afraid. Now more than ever, we need kindness and new faces and young people who are already technologically enabled to step into that space because they're our future leaders. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, there's a lot of professions like nursing. I think law is another one, isn't it, where you get the foundations and then it allows you to go into other areas. So yes. nursing is a perfect example of that where you people get locked into the fact, oh, I'm going to be a nurse or something, but it's actually they have oh, that experience and, and they use it for other things in their life, right, and, and make an interesting career. Thank you. That's fascinating. Thank you very much, Sarah. Steve, do you welcome. want to sum up? Yeah, Sarah, um, <clears throat> I, I would. Uh, I just want to sum up what you've said or what at least what I've gotten out of it. And uh, the big umbrella thing to me is about creating and supporting flow. Mm-hmm. Um. And there were eight areas of it that I got. So I'm just going to go through these real super fast. Um, you obviously were talking about technology yeah. and uh, tools to do things better and to create movement, to create uh, using technology as a tool for that. You also talked about education and getting prepared for more flow. So helping people to be uh, more aware of what's going on and, and, and what the opportunities are. You talked a bit about people and the the fact that we live busy and stressful lives, and that's the same in nursing and and, uh, many other areas of life, Uh, and that we need to be able to cope with change so that we can get on board with the flow and and the way things are changing. You talked about government policy uh, that needs to be there as a foundation, uh, allowing flow to happen more readily and mirror what's happening in the real world or what can potentially happen. You talked about data flow um, and being able to have information in real time at people's fingertips and the way that that can help reduce errors in the system. Talked about culture, the importance of embedding flow in the culture and a culture that supports that and getting that right. Talked about many benefits of flow, um, increased productivity, positive attitudes, And you also talked about uh, leadership uh, and the role that they play in creating flow, being transparent, having psychological safety, being involved at all levels from top leadership all the way down and involving other people, being willing to share knowledge and, uh, and, and put that IP into the system and share it around. So, um, yeah. That was what I got out of it. I think it was great. I love it. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Humanize Workforce Future You. 
Please leave a rating or review for the series on the medium where you source your podcasts. The transcripts for today's podcast can be found on craigsaffin.com. That's C-R-A-I-G-S-A-P-H-I-N.com. Please subscribe to the series so you don't miss out on the interviews or the future podcasts. Thank you.